So we're going to bow our heads and pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you, we honor you, we love you, we appreciate you. You are so good, so kind, and so awesome. Thank you for all that you do. God, we ask that you illuminate me as I share, touch the people, touch everything, bless us. Don't let anyone come and leave without getting what they need, including myself. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. And let everybody say, all right, what's your body? In your hands, repeat after me. This is my Bible. I am what it says. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple where we love by living out every day. We connect with our Creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, feed me your word. All right, go ahead together this morning. All right, so we just come out of a seven-part kingdom series. So we've been on that seven straight weeks, and uh, it really impacted me. I talked about how I got to it, so I don't want us to lose that. We're not talking about the kingdom anymore, but I want that to be in our subconscious, that we are kingdom-minded people, and we are royal people, so that's how we're going to act. But before we went into the kingdom series, we were touching on, I didn't turn it into a series, but we just here and there, I was talking about the idea of being better. And so I kind of want to go back to that because once you understand you're part of a kingdom, then being better yourself, being the best version of yourself should always be something you are trying to put for. So somebody say, I can be better. And say this, I can do better. Amen. It's, it's harder when someone tells you to do better. It's better when you can acknowledge it for yourself. There's areas of my life where I can just be better. All right, and so... Uh, give a definition of better, just a very simple definition is this of a excellent or effective type of quality. In other words, I just don't raise my game up on another level. I can be a better version of it. Somebody says the one thing, the worst thing you see in life is an old fool. A fool is one thing, but when you are old fool, it means you ain't never learned. So the older we go, sometimes the better we should get. I know y'all saved and sanctified and y'all don't do it. So I, I know y'all don't understand what I'm about to say, but they say wine gets better with time. That as you put it on the shelf, the older the wine is, the better the wine is. We need to be like wine. The older we get, the better we are, the more valuable we are, the more quality we are. And so that's what we're looking at. We're going to touch back on that. I want to... uh put up some synonyms of better, and then I'll tell you the title for today. So here's some synonyms to just help us think about it. Superior, finer, of higher quality, in a different class, one step ahead, preferable, recommended. Let me stop right there. Does anybody recommend you because of how good you are? Oh, you need to get something. Or you need somebody to talk to, talk to so-and-so. They are recommended. Or when your name comes up, the people be like, I don't know about them. You should be a person that people can recommend you. Uh, let, let, let me stop right there and uh, talk about this. It, it, it has been challenging doing these few. But on the other hand, it's an honor that people are recommending that in their time of grief, they're saying, we trust that you will say something that would help us. So even though it's tough, I have to take it as an honor that I'm being recommended. It's a sad day if don't nobody ever want to hear you talk and you call yourself a or so so recommended. All right, moving right along, a cut above, ahead of the pack and feel. Go ahead and bring the definition back up because I have these under. I, I want to leave this and make it solid for us so they can see it really well. A cut. Above. At the end of the day, you want to be known as a cut above, ahead of the pack, feel. We're not telling you to compete with people. 
you're not in competition with anybody. If you're going to do something, why don't you be the best at it? If it, uh, uh, El Pastor Wilson, Apostle Wilson, a uh, uh, prophet that we know, and he used to say that people who call themselves leaders but don't have anybody following them, all they're doing is taking a walk. If don't nobody want to follow you, you can't call yourself a leader. You got to be the type of person that you don't even ask people to follow you, but you're such a cut above. You're so excellent. You're so good at what you do. People just gravitate to you and follow you because you're always trying to be the best that you can be. I say it this way. I'm not in competition with anybody except for the Andre I was yesterday. If I can outdo the Andre I was yesterday, I'm going to put together a string of being a pretty good person and somebody somewhere is going to want to gravitate to me and follow me. That's not necessarily the goal, but when you better yourself, folk can't help but look at it. Look, look, I, I'm, I'm taking my time and I actually need to move forward, but let me throw this out there. When I was about 17, 18, and I've said it before, when I was 17, 18, you couldn't tell me Ponderosa wasn't the best steak in the world. Boy, I, love, I, I thought I had some money. It wasn't until I had a real steak from a real steakhouse that I realized that what I was eating wasn't so great and what it, it expanded my palate. So now you can't feed me what I used to eat. Now if I'm hungry, I can eat anything. But if it's up to me and you tell me I'm going to give you and take you wherever you want, I'm not picking Ponderosa because I have bettered my taste palate. And when your life begins to better, there's some stuff you just can't settle for anymore. There's some relationships that just won't work anymore because I'm not that person anymore. You can't pull the okie doke anymore because I have it bettered myself. I'm a cut above. I'm a head of the pack. All right. So having said all that, here's the title for today's message. It's simply this. It's on us. It's on us. And I'm going to do this by telling you two stories. Not don't have a lot of scripture today. I'm going to tell these two stories. And we're going to go to story number one. And then I'm going to give pictures and I'm going to go ahead and tell the story. I'm just going to get letting them uh, catch up with me. With me, so let's go to that first picture. So, you see a picture of an airplane. People on an airplane, people in the front on its first class. Go ahead and let's bring the other picture. The other picture we got cookies, plain cookies. So this is called the airplane cookie store. And to help you remember the airplane cookie story. All right, so here's. And I'm just going to kind of walk it. And I adapted it for my use, something called The Cookie Thief, a poem called, a poem called The Cookie Thief. So if you want to look at that later, you can. So here's an airplane story. Two men in the airplane, first class. There's a bag of airplane cookies between them. And the one man uh, knew that they were his. And so he opened them. As soon as he opened them, the man on his left reached in there and grabbed the cookie and put it in his mouth. And the man looked at him like, what the devil is going on? But he thought, it's a short fight. I'm stressed out. I don't want to get into no fight. So I'm going to let it go. I'm going to give him grace. But I don't know why this man put his hands in my cookie. So he went ahead and he took a cookie out and ate it. And then the man put his hand in there and grabbed another cookie. And he's thinking, man, what is going on? The devil is really big. They try to test my patience. But he said, you know what? I'm not going to trip. I'm not going to worry about it. At the end of the day, he can have these ragged cookies. I'm going to go ahead and rest and take a nap and sleep. And he was proud of himself because he could have gone off. Now, let's be honest. But I don't know you like that. You be putting your hands in my cookie. So, you know, you might get some choice words, words I don't say in church. Because what you doing with your hands in my cookie? But he decided, I'm going to be the bigger person. Sometimes it's hard to be the bigger person. But he decided, I'm going to be the bigger person. He can have the cookies. I'm going to rest and 
I'm going to lay down. The man kept on eating the cookies. When he got to the last cookie, he broke it in half and offered the man and the guy's saying, look, look at this dude. He, he done ate all the cookies. And at the last one, he's going to try to act like he helping me out. He smiled. The guy, the guy broke it, smiled at him, handed him. And he's like, no. By, by this time, he was irritated, really irritated. And so they land, and they get off the plane. The guy goes on. The other guy, the cookie thief, gone on, does what he's doing. And this guy gets up, puts his jacket on, and sticks his hand in his pocket and finds a full bag of cookies in his pocket. And then it dawned on him, it wasn't the man stealing his cookies. He was stealing the man's cookies. It wasn't him giving the man grace. It was actually the man giving him grace. Because he opened somebody else's cookies thinking they were his. And the whole trip, he thought the other person was the problem. And the whole time, he was the issue. Mm. Let me put this up. Moral number one. Here's the moral of the story. The fixing you think others need is often the fixing God is trying to bring to you. That's a real country way of saying it. Let me, let me clean it up. Sometimes you think you are helping somebody else and you're the problem. I tell the story all the time when I went to God about my wife. Sick of my wife. Tired of my wife. She getting on my nerves. God, you need to do something with her. And God spoke back to me and said, you the problem. I wasn't expecting him to say that. But the fixing I wanted him to do with her, he was like, I actually need to do it with you. And it's interesting. When we look at our life, we look at our life with rose-colored glasses. But when we look at someone else, I can see all your junk. I can see all your mess, but can't see none of my stuff. And sometimes God will put you in situations to let you know why you think everybody is the problem. You the common denominator in all your issues. I'm leaving Muncie and I'm going to Florida. You still going to be in Florida. So your problem is going to go there because Muncie's not the problem. The problem's inside of you. All right. So let's let's give us a, some scripture. This will help us. This is really the only scripture we're going to today. 2 Samuel 12, 1, a story that's very similar to what I just shared with you. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. So you got a rich guy and a poor guy, all right? Verse 2. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle. All right. He's, he has wealthy sheep and cattle back in the day. That means you had a lot of materials. Go ahead. So the rich man had a whole bunch of animals and cattle, had all of that stuff. The poor man only had one little baby lamb, but the baby lamb wasn't like something that they were going to kill to eat. It was part of the family. It was a pet. He said he was in his arms. He was, he was chilling with the baby. And so this is quite interesting. Continue to read verse 4. So the rich man has some company. And the rich man says, I'm going to feed my company. But it's abundance of materials. He goes and takes the poor man's only one little ewe lamb that's like a pet to him, takes it, slaughters it to feed his company. Verse 5. David was immediately ticked off at this injustice. The man who did this, this rich man 
who would take advantage of this poor man. He needs to die and he needs to die immediately right now because he ain't no good. He ain't a lick of good. How dare he do that? David was ticked off immediately. And I see why, because it was fully unjust. Let's look at verse six. He must pay for the lamb four times over. He needs to give four of his lambs up. Why? Because he had no pity. He did it with no pity. He didn't even think about the poor man. And let's look at 2 Samuel 12, 7, A, the A clause. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. Nathan said, David, you the man. In other words, I'm making this story up, but who I'm really talking about is you, David. And the reason why he was bringing this to him, because David had stolen Uriah's wife, slept with Uriah's wife, and then killed Uriah to keep his wife. Now, as long as the story was about somebody else, David was ticked off. But the prophet said, you to me, you the problem. Let's put up, I've got some points, point A, we're going to do an A, B, and C under this first story. Here's point A. Better individuals don't want harsher punishments for others than they do for themselves because they recognize there's a possibility they might be the one on the hot seat one day. So immediately David was like, this dude need to die. Kill him. And first of all, before we kill him, make him pay four times. And then Nathan said, you the man. Well, guess what? David didn't want to be killed. It's interesting if you want harsher punishments for everybody than you want for yourself. Oh, let me put it this way. When you read on the news about somebody stealing something, man, lock them up for 25 years. But when it's your cousin stealing, you want to go to the judge. Oh, give my cousin free so-and-so. No, he don't need to be free. He need to get what everybody else getting. But because he belonged to you, you want different level of punishment. But better people don't say that because it might be me today. See, it might be you now, but it could be me tomorrow. So God, yes, deal with them, correct them. But I want everybody to find mercy because there may be a day I need the same mercy for myself. Amen. Let's continue to read. Let's read uh, 2 Samuel uh, 12, 8. This is God speaking through Nathan to David. He said, I gave you everything, David. And if you would have just asked, I would have given you more. Now, let's look at the next verse, verse 9. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. So Nathan... Uh, so God through Nathan brought it all the way down to David and said, listen, you are so foul for what you have done. And to David's credit, he totally repented, reversed himself. And this is the only major issue we see in David's life. So it's good that he adjusted. But the point that I'm making is you have to be very careful how you're looking at other people because we all got some skeletons in our closet. We all got some junk in our trunk. And it's amazing how you want to look at everybody else's junk, but you don't want nobody looking at your junk. So you have to be very fair and very caring. Better people just don't want themselves to be treated different than anybody else because they understand we all are human and we all can blow it at times. So that's going to lead me to my B clause or my B point. B, better individuals know it's unfair to judge others on their worst day but turn around and only expect to themselves to be judged on their best days. See, see when, when Teresa shows up in the star press, she done done something wrong. That's on her worst day. So we can't judge people on their worst day 
And then you only want to be judged on your best day. See, when y'all see me, most of the time, y'all see me in the preacher pastor capacity. I'm in my best life. I'm anointed. But this is not how I always am. This is not how I always feel. I don't always feel like preaching. I don't sometimes don't feel like being bothered with folk. And so I know that when people are like, oh, Pastor Andre is so great because you only see me on my best days. But what I love about God, he sees me on my best days and he sees me on my worst days and he loves me the same. So since God loves me on my best days and loves me on my worst days, how can I be so sedity that when you fall on your worst day, I got everything to say? You ain't been on Facebook in three months, but the moment somebody mess up, here you are typing. Shut up. Everybody has bad days. Everybody has hiccups. Everybody gets caught red handed and you better be careful because it might be you next. It's them today, but it could be you tomorrow. Chill out. God is trying to teach us better people learn how to judge everybody the same. Man, I hate that that happened to them, but it could be me. When people, especially pastors, when pastors blow it big and folk ask me what I think, you ain't going to see me saying nothing on Facebook. Because it could be me. Yes, I've been 25 years in ministry. And yes, I've been married 23 years and haven't cheated on my wife. But I'm not getting the big head because I don't know what could happen tomorrow. I'm trying to humble myself and say, God, help me. I don't want to blow it. So I'm not laughing at somebody else. And you will never hear me in the pulpit talking about another pastor unless it's just evil and wild. And if people are molesting folk, I may have to say something. But when someone has a mistake and a blow, a blow up, you're not going to hear me talking from the pulpit. So I can steal their members. Yeah, you need to get away from him because all the people in his congregation look just like him. All the babies look just like him. Get away from that church. Listen, if God wants to take them away from the church, I would welcome them. But I'll never say it in the pulpit because I'm not judging people on their worst days. Got to learn that. Now, I'm gonna, I got one more point, and this will bring it home even. If you didn't catch what I said before, this will bring it home even clearer. See, here's the last point for this story. Better individuals offer to others the same level of grace they need themselves. If you need high grace, you need to offer high grace. It's, it's, it's hard for me to find people so tough on everybody else, but so weak when it comes to them. Now, I talked about how I got corrected in my relationship. Let me talk about my wife for a second. Early on in our marriage, I remember uh, she told me to shut up. And I said, well, you shut up. She started crying. I'm like, wait, so you said it first. How you going to get mad at it? I just said what you said. But sometimes people can't, they can't take what they dish out. They can talk about everybody in the city, but let somebody talk about them. Oh, God, I'm about to give up. Wait, you talk about everybody. How you so weak when somebody talking about you? So the same grace you need is the grace you need to give. And the reason why people say, well, Pastor Andre don't judge. And Pastor Andre is always loving. And Pastor Andre is always accepting. Because that's what I need for me. You offer what you need. And if you get to the place where you don't need no grace, go ahead and be hard on everybody. But let me tell you something. The fact that you at Deliverance Temple means you got some stuff in your life and you need God to help you. And if you need God to help you, you ought to help somebody else. We all are X something. X this, X that. And if I said all the stuff that we used to do, folk will be looking at all of us funny. Yeah, we used to do, but I thank God to who I used to be. I am no more. And I'm moving forward. And the only time I look back is to help somebody else. Don't move so forward and you forget. I used to get tickled with old church mothers. You need to stop running around having sex. These girls having sex. But you got seven kids and they all got different last names. Yeah, you're 80 years old now. So now you can talk tough. But 
But back in the day, you was doing anything and everything. So how are you going to be so hard on them? Pull your skirt down. Well, baby, your skirt wasn't always pulled down in your life. Okay, now, enough of that. Enough of that. I, I'm just saying. So we got we, we, we to be, but I love a church mother that'll be honest. Yeah, I, and the reason why I'm talking to you like this because I know what it's like. I've been there. I, I've been in beds that I wouldn't belong in. And I'm trying to let you know it won't do you no good. It's different when somebody tells you who they really are and still show you love. Some of the meanest folk you'll ever meet come to church every single Sunday. And it shouldn't be that way. All right, moving right along. So let's let's put this back up. The title back up is It's On Us, but I have a question mark. The reason why I have a question mark, because up until this point, I've only talked about individuals. But the actual title is It's On Us. So why am I focusing on individuals? So each one of those points was better individuals do this, better individuals do that. So let me go ahead and put this up, and this will help us understand. It first takes better individuals to build better collectives. There's no us without the individual. So yes, it's on us collectively, but we have to start with the individual because it starts with you and I. See, I can't have a better us until I have a better me and you have a better you. So we have to start with the individual, but that's not really the focus of my message today. I had to, uh, bring us up to that point, but my focus is the collective, the collective church. So that's why I'm hard on the church because what we're seeing in this day and age is people are dying left and right. Like it's, you can't hardly turn around. Life is being snatched and snuffed from people. And what many of us know is many of those people, they need to be in the house of God. That way when their last breath is taken, they have a pathway upwards and not a pathway downwards but the problem is sometimes they don't want to come around us because we're not better people yeah yeah I, I'm addicted but I would rather be addicted with these folk than come try to be with these fake phony folk and so the church has to become better and we have to stop being so fake so phony so that we can be the type of people that folk want to be around like I said sometimes church folk is the last folk you want to be around because you're going to get judged, you're going to get talked about. You tell them your stuff, it's going to be all over town before you before you leave their house. All your business is out in the street. And so people get tired of that. Church hurt is real. Folk are tired of that. And sometimes folk don't want to do nothing with the church. So what we got to do, we have to make sure we are changing that. So now I'm going to go to story number two. Somebody say story number two. All right, so we're going to put up two pictures. Here's the first picture. It's a picture of an empty church. Beautiful church. But it's an empty church. And here's another picture. Let's put this other picture. This is a picture you may not see it real clear. This is a picture of a bar. So we have an empty church and a full bar. And some people say, well, they don't make no sense. The bars are full. The clubs are full. This, that is full. And the church is empty. And it's true. It should be people in church. Now, Brother Jason it was uh, teasing me last week. He said, I wish all the folk who came for Easter would come back the next Sunday. But it, it doesn't happen like that. And sometimes it's not always their fault. Sometimes it's been the church's fault. So we're going to call this the church bar story. So you can go ahead and flash that back up. So this is the church bar story. Somebody say that. Say the church bar story. So here's the story of the church bar story. So there's this uh, man who's going to church with his wife. He's been going to church probably the last two, three years, getting his life together. And he's been enjoying church. He goes to church, and in the middle of the sermon, his phone rings and makes a distraction. The preacher stops in the middle and rebukes him harshly. You ain't got no business with your phone on in church. And then the people in church looked at him funny. And then when he got out of church, his wife scolded him all the way home. Because he left his phone on in church and interrupted the flow. Now, as a preacher, it's not nice when phones are ringing. But that didn't mean they had to be so harsh on the man. So he was dejected. But what many people didn't know, he used to be an alcoholic. And there happened to be a bar 
a block from his house. He was so dejected from the experience on that Sunday from the people who he thought loved him that he decided to leave that afternoon and he decided to go to the bar. Hadn't drank in three years, picks up a drink. While he's drinking, he accidentally drops the drink and it splashes on people around him. It splashes on ladies' dresses. It splashes on on, uh, people's shirts. And so he's really feeling bad. I can't do nothing right. I ain't good at the church. I'm not good at the bar. But the folk in the bar said, oh, it's okay. That happens. Pour him another drink. I'll pay for it. Now, in the church, when he made a mistake, he got dogged. But in the bar, when he made a mistake, he got accepted. And the preacher who was telling the story, he asked this question. Which one was more the church, the real church or the bar? The bar acted more like the church than the church did. Now, when the man goes and becomes an alcoholic again, everybody going to blame him that he he did good for three years and then he just gave up and he quit. No, he didn't give up and quit. Folk ran away. The people who should have loved him pushed him out the door. And the people who probably he shouldn't have been around because he wasn't past at it, those are the people who embraced him. So before we run in everybody and tell them how they should be in church, we got to figure out what is their church story. Now, all everybody ain't had church hurt. Some folk just straight up lying. They don't want to go to church. And I'd rather you just tell me that because you get hurt at the club and you keep going to the club. It ain't church hurt for everybody. You get hurt at work and you keep clocking in. So tell the truth. But there are some people who are actually hurt. So instead of beating them up for what they're not doing, why don't you get in and do life with them and figure out where they are and say, if you can't come to church, I'll bring church to you. Well, I I, I overstepped. It's okay, baby. Once they do the rebroadcast, I'm going to shoot you the sermon because you might like something in the sermon. And by the way, when I leave church, I'm picking up some food for my family. I might drop some soup off for you. If we learn how to be the church, then folk won't be so afraid to come to church. I'm preaching better than y'all letting on. All right, let's let's put the moral of of that story for us. Is more number two. Shame on us, the church, if more loving grace is found outside of us and it's found amongst us. Reminds me of the story of my father and how he met Melvin Kelly. Melvin Kelly came into the church drunk when my dad was teaching Bible study and he tried to take over the service. And my dad told him, you're going to have to sit down and be quiet. And in the process of time, he sobered up. My dad took him and got him some food and fed him and the Melvin thanked him for it and he got ready to ask him, he said, do you need to go somewhere? And he's like, I don't have a house right now. Um, I'm homeless. And my dad said, well, I'll put you in the hotel. And he said, Melvin said, no, you don't have to do that for me. You've already done enough. You fed me. You know, I came in your church drunk, acting up. You fed me. You took care of me. Just just take me down to the, uh, it's called a low end. Just take me down there and just let me off. My father didn't want to do that, but he said, okay. He, Melvin insisted, let me off. My dad said that as soon as Melvin got out the car, that God spoke to him and said, there's more love out here than it is in some of my churches. And then my father began to teach us and turn us from a church that was so legalistic, because we used to be a legalistic church where you couldn't wear this, you couldn't wear makeup, you couldn't do all that. And he began to teach us grace because he began to understand the real message is the message of love. And the reason why some people stay in what they're in because they find more love there than they find in the place that should help them. And I'm saying to us, shame on us if people don't feel welcome when they come in a place that's called deliverance temple. If they come in a place that's called perfect temple and they don't feel welcome, I understand that. But we're not perfect temple. We're deliverance temple. And people who come here need deliverance. And when you come here, you ought to feel like this is one place where I'm not going to be judged. This is one place I ought to feel like folk care about me. And I believe we're doing that. I believe this is the type of legacy we are leaving. But since God is having me preach this, it must be another level we can go to. 
and God is putting me out there and I'm preaching in funerals. Some of those people are going to come to the house of God. And if you with your foul mouth talk about why you got so many tattoos on your face, shut up and let them come to church. I'm trying to help them and you running them off before they get in the door. Just, just shut up with your funky self and let's all get deliverance together. All right. I ain't talking about y'all. I'm talking about the folk that stayed at home. I ain't talking about y'all. I got a few points under this one, too. So let's, let's get point number A or letter A for this point. The safest place for the brokenhearted should be in the hospital we call the church. That's the goal. Anything less is uncivilized. There used to be a commercial years ago with Charles Barkley, and they say anything less is uncivilized. If broken people come to the church and they leave more broken, something's wrong with that church. And the pandemic was supposed to teach us that we need to get our act together because the world is going through hell. People don't have to die and go to hell because they're going to hell right now. And then they run to the hospital. And what we want to know is, uh, why ain't you with your husband no more? That ain't none of your business. Let them come to church. Now, maybe as they grow, I'm not saying God will leave people like they are. But you can. one thing I learned about fish, you got to catch them before you clean them. You got to get them. We all we want to clean this. It would be like me going to the reservoir, pouring bleach in the reservoir and saying, well, once y'all got all get all cleaned up, then I'm going to pull y'all in. Well, you about to kill everything in the lake trying to clean everybody up. God accepts people like they are. And then he allows them to believe. And through the believing then he sanctifies them. But we want people to be right before they get here. Well, why would they come if they was already right? Let me tell you something that happened to me, and I, I was being a little foul, but I was started, I was about two years into my journey at General Motors, and they moved me the first year, and I just couldn't wake up. And I was late a couple of days in a row, and they were like, you late one more time, you're about to get in trouble. So I woke up late again, and guess what I did with my smart self? I went to the emergency room. What I thought, I'm going to have one of them little things on my arm. And then when I come to work late, I can show them I had to go to the hospital. But what I didn't know is I showed up at the emergency room without an emergency. And so they prodded and poked and did stuff to me I didn't want them to do. And they talking about, well, you don't look sick. Yeah, I'm not sick. I'm just late for work. But I thought I was going to outsmart the system. And so I went to a place that I shouldn't go because I really wasn't sick. And here's the point I'm making. Why would people not sick come to church? There's other stuff you can be doing. I could be going home watching TV. I could be watching the game. I could be on the lake. If you don't know you're sick, you're not going to come to the emergency room. So if people do come, why would you run them away? If people give up their time to be with us on a Sunday morning, why would you just embrace them and love them? And let me tell you, like real hospitals do, the first thing you want to know, you got some insurance? I'm about to breathe my last breath and you want to know how I'm going to pay for it. And that's the way some churches are, are. Have you been baptized in Jesus' name? I'm about to die. Forget all that. Just accept me in. All right. Let it be. Let it be. Actually, uh, I, I'll wait till letter C to explain letter B. So let, it be, let me read it. Lord, we don't need another mountain. This is not my words. It's somebody else's words. Lord, we don't need another mountain. There are mountains and hillsides enough to climb. There are oceans and rivers enough to cross, enough to last until the end of time. I can just go ahead and, and paraphrase that for you. We done been through enough. We don't need to go through no more. No more. So this is actually words from a song. You probably wouldn't recognize the first part, but I bet you'll recognize the next part. So let's go to point C. This is the rest of the song. It says this, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. 
It's the only thing that there's just too little love. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. Now that's straight gospel, even though it's not a gospel song. They say we done been through enough, but what we really need is some love. Listen, when we have funerals at our church, our church smells like weed for about three, four days. It is what it is. But I'm glad to have people in the house of God because what the world needs is love. And I'm not fussing at them because sometimes they smoking because they need love. They drinking because they need love. They sexing because they need love. They fighting because they need love. And when they come in a church that has love on the doors, they ought to find love in here. If they don't find love nowhere else, they ought to find love in here. And that's what the world needs is love. And so that's why we want to get back to the basics. There's so many things I want to do in this community. There's so many things I want to happen. I want to build a building. I want, But it doesn't do me no good if we don't have love. So let's go to these uh, scriptures. I forgot I had these scriptures because I added them late. And these are the last things we're going to read. First John 4, 7. Read that. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Mm, but simple. Beloved, let us love one another. Now, you ain't going to like everybody. You, 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 you're fooling yourself and you're going to like everybody. But just, just try to be a person of love. Try to have, you, you ain't got to be frowning all the time. You, you, you ain't got to wake up on the wrong side of the bed all the time. And the part, the reason why, because you're not doing the first part of our vision statement. You're not connecting with our creator continually. If you stay connected to him, you can't be mad at everything all the time. Oh, I don't want to say this, but let me say this. This is for men and women. Sometimes y'all act like y'all been on your cycle for 10 years. Men and women. You just mad at everything. Chill out. Offer some folks some love. Stop being so mean and hateful. Learn how to enjoy. Life is too short. If we're not learning anything, life is too short. To be mad at everybody, learn to love. And once you start spending time with God, it helps you learn how to love. Even sometimes your kids that get on your nerves, they don't get on your nerves as much because you're walking in love. I've been telling my kids now, I don't want them to go off away to college. I want them to stay with me at least through their bachelor's and get their master's somewhere else. Some people say kick them out when they're 18, but I done got to a place where I, I love them. They're growing up too fast. I want them closer to me because I want to see God moving on them. And so it's something when you change, when you start changing, it's amazing how everything changes around you. I don't have much more to go, so let me just throw this rabbit trail in. I remember, and this is before I was a pastor, I remember there was a lady in our church that I couldn't stand. And growing up as a pastor's kid, there's a lot of folk in the church you couldn't stand after a while. But I grew out of most of them, but there was one I just couldn't stand, stand. You know, it just, you know, when she get to shouting, I'm like, oh, Jesus, here she go. So I got saved, saved, Sister Fanny. And when I got saved, saved, I noticed about a month, two, three months, I noticed that this person don't get on my nerves no more. And it dawned on me she wasn't the problem. I wasn't saved. Once I got fixed, I found out, man, she's a sweetheart. And I love this person to this day, but and I've never told her. I couldn't stand her. She's not here right now, so, so don't nobody know who it is, who it was. And I don't trust y'all enough to say who it was. But I found out the issue was inside of me. And when God starts cleaning me, it fixes your vision and you start seeing people properly. You start loving even the unlovable. And guess who you love who's the hardest to love? You start loving yourself. And the reason why some people are so hateful, they don't love themselves. But I'm quitting all that foolishness. When I walk by the mirror, whether Devin says it or not, I tell myself, you look good today. I got to talk to my, I'm going to love myself because I can't love you right if I don't learn to love me right. And I can't love me and love you if I don't receive his love. All right, let's read verse number eight. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I don't care how long you've been in church. 
I don't care how many scriptures you know. I don't care how long your robe is, your dress is. I don't care how many times you hickam aside and how many demons you cast out. The Bible says if you don't love, you don't know God. And it says God is love. There's a lot of things the Bible says God has. But this, it says God is love. So when the songwriter said what the world needs now, is love more love. They may not have known it, but what they were really saying is what the world needs now is God more God because God is love. And since God decides to reside in the house of God, when people walk in the house of God, it's not the house of God, it's the house of love. All right, let's look at 1 John 4 and 11. We're dropping this, the last verse. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also it's simple and it's basic. It's on us to love one another. It's on us to reach the dying world. And I'll say this one more time. Not everybody's coming inside. You guys can put the camera back up here. Not everybody's coming inside. So that means we got to take the love out there. So when you leave Sunday, I don't know where, where you're going to eat. You look all nice and dressed up, but then you're the worst tipper there. That don't show the love of God. You're the most demanding and you're the worst temper. Bring my Pepsi. And once they bring it, oh, I want Sprite. And once they bring it, well, give me, give me some milk. Listen, make up your mind, sweetheart. And if you're going to do all that, at least pay well. But sometimes church people are the worst people to be around. But I hope it's not us. I hope the word about us is that we're carrying on the legacy of our bishop. We are people of love. We are people that will help you. We're people that get down in the trenches with you. And if you're down there, we'll pull you up. And we're not going to dog you out. We're not going to tell all your stuff in the street. Because at the end of the day, all we know how to do is love. Because that's what God has given us. And if we can get, I'm not saying we're not doing it. I think we're doing it. But what I'm seeing was happening even in our city. People need us. And they need us to be on our P's and Q's. And I know folk are dying, but don't run telling everybody they're going to hell. Well, if you don't get right, you're going to hell. Shut up with all that. And just start loving people. Start embracing people. How can I pray for you today? Instead of talking about what they need, put the cigarette down. How about instead of saying all that, how can I pray for you today? Is there any way I can help you? What are you going through? If we start being people like that, we will change this nation. Not just the city, but change this nation. Amen. Somebody say it again. It's on us. All right. Let's stand to our feet. We'll bow our heads. And another thing, I'm talking about the legacy of my father, but also we need to further the legacy of Marvin Strong. It was just out there in the streets helping people. We need to, we need to pick that mantle up and make sure people know we're there for them. I had somebody tell me yesterday that said, they said, oh, Pastor Andre, the streets love you. He said, you may not hear it. He said, but we love you. We appreciate you. And so if they love me and appreciate me, they need to love the people that follow me. So y'all, when y'all get out in the streets, y'all be those people of love and carry that legacy. Let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father God, we want to be better individuals. Like the man in the plane, we don't want to be pointing out someone else when we're the one that needs help. But once we get the help, we want to collectively be the type of people that would, like the type of people that were in the bar, that would just look past people's mistakes and see their needs. Help us to be those people. And God, sometimes we, we got struggles ourselves, but help us to feel your love so that we can give your love and we can take your love to the ends of the earth. And we thank you for it. We thank you for loving us and being there for us. And God, we appreciate you. And God, if there's anybody under my sound of my voice, both here as well as online, that doesn't know you in the pardon of their sins. I want you to let them know how much you love and care for them. And I want you to prompt them to open their heart and allow you in. And for that, I give you praise and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great and prosperous week. Go out there and love somebody.